This Dharma Talk is brought to you by the Chicago Zen Meditation Community. Learn about us and our teacher, Miyoshi Thompson, at zenchicago.org. A lot of times in English we pronounce it rohatsu. But that's not ex- exactly right, and I'm going to try to do it right this time. Rohats. It means the eighth day of the twelfth month. And of course, the Japanese adopted the Gregorian calendar in the 19th century, right? So um, we take the eighth day of the 12th month to mean the 8th of December. But this holiday came from the Chinese uh, lunar calendar. So it almost has nothing to do with what we think of as December 8th. I did a little research. It's interesting to see how the Chinese had actually a pretty imprecise calendar. It was 360 days, 12 30-day months. So obviously that's not going to work out, (laughs) right? Because there's 365 and a quarter days in a year. And uh, uh, so every year the calendar got more and more off. So they had to have rules. They They would add like months or days at least to the calendar so that things would kind of come out right. And they had rules for, for how to do this, like because you know, they wanted like the solstice and the equinox um, to fall at about the same time every year. And it was just very approximate. You know, the solstice would fall um, within a 30-day span someplace. But they decided the solstice would have to fall in the eleventh month. So that means that Roha is always after the solstice. Anywhere 8 to 38 days after the solstice. And I always thought, gee, it's odd, you know, we we have these ceremonies celebrating the return of the light, and yet it's getting darker and darker when we celebrate Rojas, but it's actually not. (laughs) In fact, the real date celebrating Rojas is at least a week and maybe a month later than the solstice. So, by the time Rohats comes, we're really sure that the light has returned. And I think that's really right for, for Rohats, you know. The days are always getting longer at Rohats. Here, you know, in Chicago, we, fire, we feel like we're spiraling down into the darkness around December 8th. But we're not just in Chicago. We're in Rohats. And in Rohats, it's very clear that the light is returning. And in fact, in Rohats, it's clear that the earth is growing in light. Of course, fundamentally, Rohats is not a particular place on the calendar. The real location of this Rohats is that it's... Uh, it's in an opening in our lives, just as they are right now, with all the stuff going on in our lives. Our lives have created this opening for Sashim. And we should count ourselves lucky, because obviously there are a number of people whose lives closed it down, right, for one reason or another. It's unfortunate. We are 
fortunate enough that our lives opened up for Rohatsu. We created a space for the sashim. Dogen said, there are as many minds as there are people. But still, they all negotiate the way directly in Zazen. And the space in our lives probably has all kinds of different shapes for each one of us. But this weekend, we're going to negotiate the way directly in Zazen. I suppose all of us could look at our lives and say, well, I've got this going on and this going on, and Rohatz is um, emerging out of that, or there's a space for that. I, I'm aware, you know, that I recently finished, you know, all my radiation treatments for my cancer, and I'm not finished recovering from the treatments, but, you know, close. It's close. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, Rohatz is coming kind of in that space that's being created in my life, uh, kind of a space of recovery. And I'm curious to see what this space will be like for me. I'm curious to see what this space will be like for all of you. We have three days in which we can bring out the Dharma together. And the thing that I want to do in this sashim is to try and pass on the practice and the spirit of the Soto Zen sashim to you guys. I suppose that's true for every sashim we do. Maybe this sashim will be giving a little bit more attention to the forms that we have in sashim, just, uh, just to see if we can... Uh, immerse ourselves in them as deeply as we can. I, I have a little bit of trepidation about leaning towards the forms in my teaching this weekend. Soon after I was ordained, I was doing a sashin and there was a woman doing the sashin who was doing her first sashin. So we did zazen and we were doing our first kinhin. Excuse me. And she was walking in Kenyan with her hands in Gasho. And everybody knows you walk in Kenyan with your hands in Shashu. But this, this person did not know that, so, or I, I figured she didn't know that. So I went up to her and said, oh, you know, the hand position is this for Kenyan. She said, I tried that, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't think of what to say. I just had to bow to her, right? Because, <laughs> like, what could you possibly say to that? I tried it, but I don't like it. We said 30-minute periods of zazen. I tried that, but I don't like it. I'm going to say 40-minute periods. I was like, okay, all right. So, you know, she was walking around in Gasho, and I just left it. But she came up to me a little while after that, and she said, you know, I don't want to disturb anybody. Maybe I should just leave. And I thought, wow. You know, so I had tried to teach this person the forms, and in the process of that, 
I stepped on something that I had no awareness of. And she was mad, I think. I mean, that's, I think that was the anger, was the emotion behind, you know, what she was saying to me. It was clear to me that she had been brooding about our encounter for a while. And then she came up to me to talk, but she was not in a good place at that point. And it just goes to show you how, uh, how thoroughly the self can get stirred up, in, even in Sashim. And here we are in Sashin, we've re relinquished most of the coping strategies that we usually use to settle the self down, right? We don't make phone calls, we don't, you know, uh, surf the, uh, the internet, we don't check our emails, we don't do any of the things that we would normally do just to settle down. So that means, in a funny way, in Sashin, we step into the sashin with a willingness to kind of be vulnerable. Okay, I'm not going to turn to all the things that I would normally do to entertain myself or to soothe myself. I'm going to instead adopt the things that we do as a group. Anuj was telling us um, on Monday about uh, uh, being in a kind of a difficult inner place and, and picking up a book and turn into the book, you know, and, and how useful that was. And here in Sashin, we don't even have any books. <laughs> right? In fact, we, we recommend that, really, don't do a lot of reading when you're in Sashin. Just be present with your breath. Yeah, and so that's our solution in Sashin. Something comes up, are you stirred up by something? Try sitting, see what happens. There will be another opportunity to try sitting. Is, is sitting not chasing it away? Do some more. <laughs> See what it's like. Not to run away, but to face it. So in Sashin, you know, we have these forms. They're beautiful. I think the forms are really elegant. But they can interfere with, you know, our personal preferences. And that's just something to be aware of. You might not want to walk with your hands in chashu. You might not want to do 13 periods of zazen this weekend. Okay. 17 <laughs> periods of zazen this weekend. And the forms can kind of be difficult to remember. Like, when we come to our cushions, maybe some people have the question, now wait, do I bow to the cushion first and then away, or do I bow away and then bow to the cushion? So I'm hoping that this Sashina can clear up all of those doubts, uncertainties for is when you come to your cushion. <laughs> First thing to do, actually, the, the, the zafu will be in the center of the zabutan. First thing to do 
is actually move the zafu a bit towards you because you're going to sit on it and you're going to face the wall, so you're going to want the zafu more towards the back of the zafu. So you move it towards you. Then you bow in, that, in the direction of the cushion, but really you're bowing to the people on, on that side of the room. And so actually, if you're sitting next to somebody who's coming to their place, they bow, you should return their bow. Even if you're facing the wall, right? You probably will be facing the wall. They'll bow, just, just bow towards the wall to acknowledge. To acknowledge that um, there's another practitioner who has come here to sit with you and who's just honored you with a bow, so you return. And then after the bow towards the cushion, then you bow away. If, if you happen to be across from somebody um, who's bowing towards you, just bow towards them. You know, th I think that's, uh, that's a good rule. Never let a bow go unanswered. <laughs> they don't happen alone. One of the things when we emphasize the forms is that there's plenty of chances to make one mistake after another. And that's fine. That's great. The way to do sashin is just to throw ourselves into sashin. Does that sound too violent? Throw ourselves <laughs> into sashin? My teacher never says it that way. He says, um, let's practice together in peace and harmony. It sounds very gentle to me. But Dogen said this. He said, just set aside your body and mind. Forget about them. And throw them into the house of the Buddha. And then all is done by the Buddha. When you follow this, you are free from birth and death and become a Buddha without effort or scheme. Who then remains in the mind, he asks. It's an interesting question. If we throw body and mind into Sashin, who's left? It's a good question to ask in Sashin. If I drop body and mind, who's left? Sashin, we throw body and mind into the house of the Buddha. And everyone here has done that already. You've made a space in your lives, and it's a space to enter into the house of the Buddha. We've, we've pried ourselves out of our lives. We've set aside businesses and home and family obligations and all kinds of things. We wear different garments. We shave our heads. Oh, we didn't get to that part of the orientation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're pretty close. <laughs> no, but Sashin is a kind of home weaving. And what better time to engage in the kind of home weaving than the time we're celebrating Buddha's awakening, Buddha's own home weaving. He walked into this strange world 
where the habit of luxury wasn't going to work anymore. Us too. And we walk into Sashim. Instead of acting in our habitual ways, Sashin interferes with all of that. We basically just have to ask, act mindfully. That's the only way to get through Sashin. We throw ourselves into the house of Buddha. In other words, we allow ourselves to be completely present in this prayer. to help all of you to access this practice, I'm sorry, to access this practice of being completely present. And I want to help you cultivate your own aspiration to preserve this practice. Each of you will be preserving this practice as we practice. And my hope is, of course, uh, you will continue to do so after the So I have this a suggestion for an aspiration for here and now at the first of 17 periods of Zazen. And this is the suggestion. Embrace this upright practice for the sake of all living beings. And for the sake of all the beings with you now. Let everything else go. It might not be the best thing for your small selves. But all of you are so much bigger than that. So let's try it. Let's sit together in peace and harmony.